Now you should listen to this, because this concerns you. I'm ahead of my time, sometimes years out, so the powers that be won't let me get my ideas out. Phase one, in which Doris gets her own. You'll have to speak up, I'm wearing a towel. Welcome to the Emilio Podcast, an accidental exploration of music, movies, pop culture, and other juicy topics that make your brains tingle. joining us and we are going to break down um, our best guitar solos of all time so as we begin uh, Jen is on timeout uh, because Ty is judging her for having for uh, coming unprepared unprepared and queuing up her songs at the last minute uh, but I think we'll uh, we'll be able to get past that so um, so as per usual this is how it's going to go we are going to actually only be doing our top five this time around uh, but we'll make our, our rounds. We'll start with each of our top five, each of our top fours, all the way to number two. Um, and then our sort of second off to the side category is our top three non-rock guitar solos, uh, which I think is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So um, before we get started, uh, maybe I'll ask you guys, uh, and I'll start with you, Jen. What did you use as your criteria for this? Because... Uh, Best guitar solo is a very, it's a very subjective thing. Yeah. So how did you find your list? So I had to strangely do a lot of kind of music value soul searching when I was doing this. So okay. there's a lot of questions when you're when you're evaluating this. Is it is it the most impact to um, the genre? Is it the most virtuosic? Is it the one that you like the most? Is it the one that um, the one that sings the most? So. Um, so actually the way, the way I, um, I rated them was like the ones that kind of, uh, felt personally, um, the best to me. And, um, they all had a common theme, like all the one, all the solos that I love, they all sing okay. in, in some shape or form. They might be super simple, okay. um, but they all play like, um, you know, someone would play a violin or someone would actually sing. So uh, so yeah, so I just picked them based on the ones I personally love the most, um, in terms of my own musical journey, and, uh, and also, um, they happen to all be very singy, so. Okay. That's something I discovered about myself, like, researching this. Very cool. And, uh, Ty, how did you establish what your, uh, well, how, how did you establish your list? What criteria did you use? Yeah, so, I definitely have to agree with, uh, Jen that, um, it's so difficult choose the top five and um, as you know we're looking at different um, uh, guitar genre we, we have to look at uh, if you're talking about the greatest guitar solos ever we're focusing only on rock but um, you have to look at you know flamenco you have to look at blues you have to look at jazz um, as well so um, for me when I chose my top five I use some uh, very simple criteria one is that it has to be hummable Oh, interesting. Mm, okay. And then secondly... That, that eliminates my list, like, <laughs> almost altogether. 
hey, maybe you can't hump them, but Ty might be able to hump them. Ty might be able to. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be hummable for me. And then um, it has to have a level of um, virtuosity associated yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, usually the piece I selected start off slow and then uh, progress into what Jen would call orgasmic guitar songs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to share them with, uh, with you guys. So there you are. Um, for me, it was a, this was a little different. So Jen and I were joking earlier about uh, this is kind of outside of my realm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge music fan in general. Um, and and I, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of rock that I love and appreciate. Um, I don't know that I'm as versed as you guys. So what I went with was, first of all, uh, skill, obviously, um, you know. Uh, but I also went for something you kind of touched on, which is sort of cultural impact. Like, how big is this song? And then also just um, one of the factors, not the biggest factor, but one of the things I took into consideration is kind of the story. Um, you know, the, the ones that I picked um, are... They all either change something or influence something or came out of something interesting or, or have like a tidbit around them that sort of adds to the lore of that particular guitar solo, um, which I, I think for me, you know, carries some weight. So so that's how I, uh, I decided. Okay, so cool. uh, Jen, you want to start with yours? Sure. Um, so uh, we're going five to one, right? Five to one. So we'll start <clears throat> with Jen's number five. All right. So... Hi, you. I already told you. Actually, I didn't tell you this one. Oh. All right. Um, actually, I think I did tell you, so you might already know. Yeah. So this is um, Dire Straits, Sultan of Swing. Oh, ah. Very nice. Good choice. Definitely hummable. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long solo, and it gets, it gets, you know, more and more uh, nuanced and complex as the song goes on. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the song is pretty much one big guitar solo with just a bit of vocals here and there and, like, kind of a chorus. But, um, but what I love about this solo is that it's just, it's a clean guitar sound. So... When we think about guitar solos a lot, we, we think about that like classic rock sound with that big the big distortion. Edge, the distortion yeah. Right. This is just a clean guitar sound, but it still sings and it's still masterful and it's so hummable. When I'm when I'm driving in the car, I'm just going yeah, I absolutely love this. And it's um I actually tried the first time I tried picking up the guitar was because I wanted to learn uh, this solo. Oh, so wow. it, I was unsuccessful. Oh, but no. um, one day... Did you kind of pick it up at least? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it will happen one day. Not the inspiring story I was hoping for, but okay. Uh, cool. Not a bad place to start. So Ty, uh, why don't you tell us about your uh, number five? Sure. But uh, before I do that, I just want to add something to Jen's point. 
So yesterday, you remember Dave, when we left uh, the building, uh-huh. we ran into Janet Younggardner, right? Yes. And we were talking about you know what we we're doing, and she asked her son, um, who's in his early twenties, to um, pick out his favorite uh, guitar riffs. And uh, number one is actually Dire Straits. No Your way! Choice. So here we are. You're in good company. Wow! Just want to add that. Very cool. Okay. Now my uh, number five is uh, sorry. My number five is uh, Steve I um, playing for the love oh, of God. God. So Steve I is considered one of the top ten guitars of all time. Um, he has, but <clears throat> by the way, um, the longest one of the longest fingers. Um, reaches of all guitarists and um, his style is um, very virtuous like, uh, and also he's um, very visual when he plays when you watch him live it's there's nothing like it he's uh, a bit showy but his technique um, are flawless so I'm gonna play for you um, a little sequence first one minute of for the love of God okay so let me cue it up <laughs> so that's the main melody line, and let me just um, go to the um orgasmic <laughs> the, the eargasmic <laughs> yes man so I don't know who's listening to this but whoever is listening we're watching this like 80s you know footage of, of a concert Fingers. Look at that. You mentioned he has like the longest fingers, you said? Yes. One. Watch this. Watch this move. Wow. Back to the main melody line. is a singing guitar solo that's just there are like eight notes in yes. the whole riff that's right or something like that and it, everyone just has like so much punch just watching him live i saw him live uh maybe 10 years ago and it was an amazing experience wow, yeah. wow. where did you see him uh roy thompson hall nice yeah. nice oh you're so lucky very cool all right so I feel a little self-conscious about my number five now, but my list does get better. Um, no, so my so it's funny with my number five. I picked a song that actually has an epic guitar solo later in the song, but starts with one of the most memorable guitar riffs um, that 
that I, I can think of. <laughs> nice. nice. So one of the things that I'm like a real big fan of is, as I said before, like the story behind what happens in the studio when, when a song is created. So uh, that riff apparently was actually just what Slash used to do to warm up. Mm-hmm. He didn't write it as a riff. He just created this thing that he used to warm up his fingers. And uh, so there are Guns N' Roses in the late 80s are sitting in wherever Guns N' Roses sat and did their thing. Um, and they're just kind of sitting around and, and Slash starts playing this riff. And Axel from upstairs comes running down and he says, what is that? What is that? It's amazing. And, and uh, Slash just says, no, I'm just, I'm just warming up. And Axel says, hang on. And Axel goes off and writes... Wow. Sweet child of mine. On the spot, which, again, I'm a big fan of listening and hearing about the process. The songs that are written really fast, like in 15 minutes, 17 minutes, 20 minutes, those seem to be the best best songs because they they seem to just flow out of somebody. So, uh, like I said, I could have picked that riff later on. But it's that simple but beautiful uh, guitar riff at the beginning that creates one of the more iconic, like, late 80s rock songs. Right. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I love that story. And um, that's super cool because that riff is built on a scale that's not really used. It's kind of like half a pentatonic scale, and that's a very strange scale. Like, when we listen to music, we, we hear a lot of major and minor scales. You know what I mean? Like that... This song's happy. This song's sad. Yeah. But this scale sounds like hopeful. That's a, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. You're yeah. right, because there's like a, the, the tone sort of goes up and drops down, but it goes up again and drops down. And right. Yeah. And it's because it's built on this scale that makes you feel feelings of, oh, that's, oh, it's not happy or sad, but it's kind of, it makes you think, you know, and... Um, a lot of music in you know the eight, like the early 18th century by Debussy and by Ravel, they're based on this scale, and they all have that quality where, like I said, neither happy or sad, but it has a strange emotion that's somewhere in between, uh-huh. and that's what makes that music so unique. Beautiful. Maybe when we do our classical showdown tie, oh. yes, we can talk about the pentatonic scale Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, good round of number fives. So I can't wait uh, for the rest, my goodness. <laughs> I know, seriously. So we move on to uh, Jen's number four now. Okay, so um, this um, was... Okay, so going through the list, I thought I knew mine. I thought I knew at the top of my head, you know, like loving classic rock. I was like, oh yeah, I have my five. But this one actually snuck in, and I realized that I loved it so much, Um but I, I never really kind of... Oh, I, I'm playing it by accident. I never really gave it the credit it deserved. So here it is. Um, so this is a 12-minute song. And it's pretty much just a really, really long guitar solo. Um, I just picked the excerpt that... Uh, that the first kind of uh, uh, guitar solo excerpt here. This is Shine On You Crazy Diamond, parts one to five by Pink Floyd. 
much 12 minutes of that <laughs> <laughs> lovely lovely <laughs> but um this song in general so it's not um you can't really rate the guitar solo without talking about the song as a whole so the song is a 12 minute super psychedelic um just it, it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece and it's very slow burning and you have this you have this drone uh, throughout the entire song, it's like this um, this really epic strings and bass and everything like a meh. Is it like a bagpipe? It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like a bagpipe. Um, but uh, yeah, so that drone goes on for twelve minutes, and then um, in between you get this. Uh, like I wish I could play the whole song, but um, you get this interplay between two guitars. So you have this like really just like simple. Boom, 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 like throughout the entire thing. Yes. But it's also interlaced with this like great like guitar uh, singing, uh, really masterful solo. Um, and you know what? The song is really long, and you never get bored. Wow. You never ever ever get bored. I never skip it. I always, I always listen the whole twelve minutes. Um, and if you're into recreational chemicals, um, this song is absolutely sublime, sublime. So really Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> Would have known. Yeah. So straight laced. Um, <laughs> cool. So, um, yeah, that was, um, that was one of my first recreational chemical mind explosions and i'll always always remember that gatorade um, yes yeah it was like a baking soda and uh, and vinegar nice <laughs> <laughs> cool all right um and, and you know i would add um so every note even though he played uh you know um the the, the pace is very slow um sorry um each note is sustained uh, beautifully and you know so many guitars who try to copy the Dave uh, Gilmore sound, but they can't do it because he's got this vibrato technique that no one else can copy. So the sound is very unique to right. him. Interesting. Cool. So you're right. Like his, um, he doesn't play create. He doesn't rip. He doesn't shred. Exactly. But you're right. His for tone, this piece, right? Yeah. His tone is just so pure sounding. Absolutely. Wow. That gives me the goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So Ty's queuing up his, uh, his number four. Yes. Uh, strangely enough, my number four is also a David Gilmore solo. Ooh. And uh, I, I think you all recognize it. It's um, his Comfortably Numb oh. guitar solo. I, I seriously considered this one. I actually left it off because... It had come up in conversation, and I had the sense that Ty was gonna, gonna use this one, uh, so I left it off. But uh, I, I was comfortable at the fact that it would make an appearance. So cool. And um, so another criteria I would say that how I pick the riff is first of all uh, to recap, it has to be melodic, and then it has to have some sense of virtuosity. Um, a lot of my pieces are in the minor key. Mm -hmm. So okay. the first piece for the love of God that was E minor. Now this one, interestingly, um, is in, 
uh, D major, no, sorry, it's D major, but then it's got B minor um, throughout as well. So there's a sort of like an interplay between the two. Very um, cool. Okay. Yeah. So here it is. minor stuff in there. Wow. So in contrast wow. to Steve Vai, his style of playing is much more relaxed and he seemed so calm when he plays. Um, whereas you can see Steve Vai is more theatrical. Yes. Yeah. But um, again, each note is so meaningful, and the whole guitar solo is just perfect. It is. Very cool. Um, just uh, I so I didn't realize there was D major in that, and still this, and like I I can't really hear it in my brain right now, but I'll, I'm gonna go back and listen. But um, uh, D major and B minor, just for some music trivia, they're relative keys. Yes. So that means um, every key in a scale has like a brother or sister oh, um, and that okay. if you play them right on top of each other they in they work perfectly they fit like a puzzle sure and d major and b minor are brother and sister so that that makes sense why why it's both major and minor yeah very, very cool. cool very cool that one and uh wish you were here yeah two favorite pink floyd songs right yeah, yeah. So, fantastic. um and those two songs they have a very sad history um you guys probably already know this, but I, I forget what the... Was it the drummer? Um, but one of the, the members of the band, he was just... Um, he kind of uh, got sucked into the bad part of fame. Oh, no. And then he uh, he's just started becoming a really unproductive member of the group. And, uh, you know, Wish You Were Here was just, mm-hmm. like, the band saying, like, you know, I wish you were still here with us. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually had to kick him out just because he would show up to rehearsals and just stare at the wall. Just non-functional. Yeah. Wow. So uh, did they write Wish You Were Here while he was still in the band, or was it actually, like, literally after he left? It was when he was pretty much leaving. So he was still wow. there, but they were like, Wish You Were Still Here. Wow. So it's very crazy. sad. Very, very sad. Very cool. Wow. Okay. Uh, all right. So for my number four, um, so I'm going to start it, like, two seconds before the guitar solo actually starts, because when I listened to it, and as I was kind of preparing for this, there's a knock, as if there's a knock on the door, uh, just before he starts his guitar solo, which I think is really, really cool. So I'm going to just play it. Ah, Jesus, I'm sorry. That's, that wasn't it. <laughs> um, all right, so here is uh, this, just the lead into my uh, number four. I don't know if you heard that, but there was a knock there. funny this is this doesn't sound crazy it just dawned on me on the weekend that beat it is a rock song 
<laughs> I, know it's kinda, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Beat It's always been like the Michael Jackson song with the Bon Jovi guitar solo. Right. Right? And I just realized, like, no, this is a rock song. This was Michael Jackson doing a rock song in the middle of the Thriller album. Right. Which mm-hmm. was like, that's really cool. Right. <laughs> and um, because that's early on, uh, like, right like now, if you listen to music now, there's a lot more of that crossover stuff. Uh, and musicians from different genres and, and, and blending things. Um, but I, and I, I actually don't know the landscape of it because I don't remember that far behind, but I don't know how many people of, like, you know, how many Michael Jacksons would go and do a rock song like that. Yeah. Right? So, um, yeah, it was actually a cool little uh, moment of discovery for me. Um, so technically, again, just... Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he can hum that one very well. <laughs> He's all over the place. Incredibly skilled. Um, culturally relevant, it's on, like, the best-selling album of all time. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down. And one of the centerpieces of that album. So, again, as far as cultural relevance, he, he was, like, right in the middle of everything. Um, but the story is amazing as well. So, um, from, what I, from what I've read... Uh, Quincy Jones, who produced uh, the Thriller album, reached out to John Bon Jovi and said, uh, you know, and he sort of called him, and the first three times he did, Bon Jovi hung up on him because he, he thought it was a joke. He thought somebody was pranking him. So the fourth time, and thank God he persisted, but he finally called him and he finally got him to stay on the phone long enough to say, come to the studio. And so uh, Bon Jovi apparently went to the studio fully expecting it to be a prank, and he recalls, he goes, I walked in, and there's Michael Jackson, and there's Quincy Jones. And if you think about it, John Bon Jovi, even at the time, like an incredibly accomplished musician, is starstruck. Because he walks in and he sees like the, the person on the highest level on the planet creating like one of the greatest albums of all time. And uh, he was actually intimidated. So it was funny because uh, so Quincy Jones said to him, you know what, I'm going to leave. You do your thing. I trust you do your, your solo. Uh, you're going to be true to the song. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to play because that's the reason we brought you in. And so he did the, he recorded the solo in, uh, within half an hour and then left and had no idea what they thought. And then, uh, but like, I guess Michael Jackson actually thanked him because he was in the studio and he liked it. But uh, he didn't know if it was going to make it to the album or not. So anyway, um, eventually they thanked him for doing all that. He never got paid for it. But uh, the, the lore is that after, uh, when he finished recording the guitar solo, the speaker caught fire. <laughs> and I don't know if that's true or not, but I hope it's true. <laughs> I really hope that's true. Uh, and he never got paid, but Quincy Jones claims he sent him two six-packs for one of the more iconic guitar solos yeah. on one of the most iconic Michael Jackson songs on possibly the most iconic album of all time. Right. So... Two six packs. <laughs> <laughs> Love that story. Very cool. So that's um, my number four. My uh, so I play in a little little rock band made of accountants, and um, and we did play beat it. And so to your point, it is it is a uh, a rock song. Yeah. But it's got the Michael Jackson flair. Yep. And so none of us on the band are as cool as Michael Jackson. So <laughs> it we didn't have the same groove. It had much of a heavy metal like. 
you know, uh, like a lot more of a heavy metal feel. And so, yeah, that like rock is a spectrum. Like it can be more groovy like Michael Jackson or it could be more heavy. And so, um, so yeah, like I, um, that song can be done many, many different ways and it, it sounds cool every single way. Yeah. Love that. I always love that guitar solo. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so now we're into our number three. Okay. So I had a bit of a technical issue uh, earlier and that might've been a spoiler. And Ty, you, you really know this is coming, but this is my number three. Oh, I didn't want to press stop on that. Um, <laughs> I, th- this is one of those things, Dave, where you're like, huh, you're going to laugh at my number five because it's so overplayed, like the, the Guns N' Roses riff. Yeah, yeah. This, it's the same with Hotel California. Like, everyone knows this riff. And um, and if you talk to classic rock people, um, they'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, the Hotel California riff, I, I learned that when I was 14. Everyone knows it. But, like, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's so, so tight. It's so melodic. Um, it sings um, like no other guitar solo ever does. Um, and it's so, um, it's so classic, you know, um, it's been, it's been sampled so many times. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, yes, it's super, super popular, but I think it has a good reason to be, Mm -hmm. um, the, the whole song as a whole is, it's, it's an enigma. Like no one knows what it means. Yeah. Like to this day, like I, I keep coming back to it and every single time I listen to it, I'm like, what are they talking about? Maybe we should. Look it up on on uh, Genius. On Genius, yeah, Ooh, maybe okay. after. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we're just gonna pause for five minutes while we <laughs> go do some research. Um, but yeah, I I think this deserves its place in classic rock history, um, and uh, and I find like I find myself you know never getting sick of this song, so that's why it's my number three. Cool. All right. Yes, and you know. Um, it's one of those iconic pieces that we all want to, uh, you know, as, as the guitarist, we all want to play, right? But um, I have such reference for it that I do have the, the music for it, but yet I have never attempted it. Really? <laughs> yeah. So maybe one day, just, you well, know. You don't, have a, you don't have an electric guitar though, right? No, but you can still do the riffs okay, on your yeah, acoustic, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, but cool. I mean, out of respect for, you know, um, the guitarist, I'm saying, okay, maybe I shouldn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did it. Uh, I did learn the uh, the main riff, the bum 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 So that I was successful in learning. But uh, the solo itself, I, I agree. Like you could you you could learn the notes, but there's no way you could play it like that guy. No, no way, no way. So in case there was any suspense, I can't play any of my riffs. So <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we're looking at Ty's number three now. Okay, so actually, you know what? My number three, I listen to the most, even though it's not number one. And uh, I think it could easily be number one. But um, you'll recognize it immediately. It's um, Santana Samba Party. Oh, oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> so I was waiting for the first instance of Santana. Here we go.
absolutely beautiful. I think we may need a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ty needs a moment again. So again, it's a minor. It's in the minor key. It's actually B minor. Again, one of my favorite chords to play. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he starts off with this lovely, very hummable melody, and then towards the middle part of the song, again, we go into that super epic solo that I love. Very cool. Um, and I'm sure there's a ton of stories about uh, this song, but I don't, I don't know it. Um, but what I would say is that, again, um, so many guitarists try to copy his sound, mm-hmm. and they can't because it's just the vibrato that is unique to every guitarist. Yeah. So my advice would be don't try to copy someone. Just <laughs> use your own style, and um, you know, you'll be happier. But uh, Samba Patti is my number three, and it could easily be number one. Yep, agreed. Fantastic. Uh, so, I will just play my number three. Okay. <laughs> nice. This one you can kind of hum. Yeah. <laughs> Again, just um, amazing, and and, uh, I think part of me just sort of needed to include a Santana song just because it's Santana, and and one of the the things I love about it, and, and you touched on this, Ty, is there's a very distinct Santana sound. Um, not every guitar player has that that uh, unique and recognizable a sound where you can, if you dug into, uh, deep into a Santana, the Santana's catalog and you pulled a song that you've never heard before, you could probably pick it up uh, fairly soon. That, yeah, you know what, that sounds like Carlos Santana. Um, I think... And I, and I don't know what it is about it. You, you mentioned the, the vibrato, and, and that's part of it. But there's also, there's a Latin uh, flavor to it. And, and I wish I knew um, the musicality behind that. I don't, I don't know if it's the chords he uses or the melodies. But the melodies certainly do have a bit of that Latin flavor to it, which uh, obviously growing up with my background is something I've always gravitated towards. So I, I really, really appreciate uh, him as a guitarist, and for me at least, what better song to pick, what better solo to pick than Black Magic Woman. Are there any other Latin American classic guitarists? Uh, like, that... that, that not that would be a, that as recognizable. Like, there's, like, Jose Feliciano. Um, there's, there's, like, people, but I think Carlos Santana is probably, like, the one that really had, like, English success um and is it known for like Feliz Navidad or whatever right (laughs) you know what I mean well I mean what I'm saying is like I wonder why he's the only one of his kind because those two genres or or that kind of like the Latin flavor with the classic the classic rock kind of genre like I feel like they marry so well and there are a lot of people that do sort of Spanish rock right um, and there's people that do something I really, really like, which is like uh, Spanish rock with uh, like actual Spanish guitar 
and tight riffs mm -hmm. uh, that, that are just incredible, like absolutely incredible. But they don't they don't have um, that type of they that's it's Spanish rock as opposed to like a Latin artist going and doing like English rock with a little bit of a Spanish flavor. So it's a little different. Right, and I think what you're hearing is um, a combination of um, Latin sound, um, and then there's also elements of blues. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely, what he's absolutely. Heavily influenced by. Yeah. Um, and then in the two pieces, even Black Magic Woman and in Samba Party. By the way, Samba Party is uh, G major. Okay. But then um, in the first bar, he's got like the first chord is a G major, and then that's followed by three minor ones. Right. Ah. Same with the next line, major chord, and then like a whole bunch of minor ones. So the sound is totally different and yeah, unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we add, you know, the Latin rhythm, and uh, the blues uh, influence. Um, yeah, that, 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 would, sound. that one definitely has like a mood to it. Yeah. Like so does Black Magic Woman, but it's, it's different. But yours certainly has a very specific mood to it, and and I think the chord changes really build that. So. Cool. Um, funny story about Santana. Um, so I saw him live at Casino oh, wow. Rama cool. um, a couple of months ago. And um, <clears throat> I was so excited to see him because I've been listening to him all my life. And then uh, he was probably the strangest, strangest personality I've ever seen on stage. Um, at first, it was a little bit like it was a little bit kind of like, oh, that's sad. Like this is clearly like a jaded old guy who, you know, um, you know, who tried to play all this classic rock stuff, but the crowd only wants to hear Black Magic Woman. <laughs> um, but uh, but at the end of it, so he did all his, like, mandatory Black Magic Woman, you know, Oyakamova, like, that stuff. And then for the last half an hour of the concert, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to jam. You guys can stay and watch if you want. Oh, wow. But I'm just so going cool. to jam. And his wife is the drummer, and she's this, like, beautiful African woman um, who's just this insane insane percussionist so the best part of the concert i actually wasn't really liking it um oh, really? up till that point oh, wow um but uh but at that point of the concert i was like okay i got my money's worth like we we're just watching him just just shred like on the guitar and did people stick around yes no right. one no one moved awesome it was awesome and so um and so he, him his wife and his band uh there were no singers they, they just they just jammed they just wow. like had fun they just messed around for half an hour and it was wow. the coolest thing I've ever seen. It was so cool. Awesome. Very, very cool. Amazing. All right. So, uh, Ty, you're number three. Oh, that was Santana, number oh, three. Oh, yeah. Sorry, so, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, Jen, you're number two. Jen. My mistake. Okay. Just queue it up here. Um, so, this is Jimi Hendrix, um, Little Wing. I'm just going to skip to the solo.
So this is actually, it might be my number one, but I couldn't figure out where to put it. So I just put it at number two. Um, this song is like two minutes. Oh, it's really? It's super short. Um, and I wish it was just ten times as, as long. Um, there, there's no chorus. There's very few vocals. It's just this beautiful, beautiful um, kind of uh, melody and, and chords. Um, and, uh, and I think it really embodies that sound, that 1970s psychedelic rock, um, like kind of distorted, like, um, uh, what's that big music festival? Um, Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah. It's that Woodstock sound. So every time Absolutely. I... Every time I hear it, I just, I just, you know, imagine I'm a hippie, like, in a crowd <laughs> watching, uh, watching Jimi Hendrix with flowers in his hair. Um, so, yeah, Jimi Hendrix, um, the reason I love him so much is because he's the perfect marriage between a virtuosic, um, you know, uh, guitarist, but he's also got this really just great black, groovy sound that you don't really get, um, you know in a lot of um, guitarists, really. Like, um, yes, you might get guitarists that have elements of blues and are inspired by blues, but, like, Jimi Hendrix was... Um, he, he was one of the rare, like, classic rock black musicians, and I think that um, that really changed his style and it made it unique. Yeah, so, there's definitely, like, a Jimi Hendrix sound as well. Yeah, right. Um, and it's cool because that sound is played through this really um, typically and I'm doing air quotes here, like white distorted guitar sound. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool marriage. And, um, and yeah, I wish every one of his songs was like Little Wing. Like, I don't think, um, you know... We I don't, don't need lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Just play the guitar. Seriously, seriously. Like, I think that's the best of Jimi Hendrix in two minutes and 18 seconds. Cool. Yeah. Um, so with Jimi Hendrix, I would say... Um, I don't know if you guys know, but he's also left-handed. So oh, that know, gives it a different effect when you play left-handed um, and also I think that his style is a little bit more uh, it's a little freer compared to other guitarists so you get that sort of um, surprise elements at times like oh like the improv yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, whoa interesting yeah so I'm a little curious about that uh, because the left-hand guitar the, the strings are just reversed so what is it that gives a left-hand guitarist a, a, a different sound so um, as a left-handed guitar player, um, the strings are uh, reversed, right? Right. So the notes are sort of uh, upside down. So you ha- when you play, you have to take into uh, consideration um, all those uh, effects. So your chord may be different, right, when you play. So. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So uh, a C, for example, uh, may appear different uh, or maybe play differently when it's played upside down, when you turn the guitar around. Like, your chords are slightly different. So Paul McCartney, um, Paul McCartney was kind of, um, kind of a pioneer in just really strange chords mm-hmm. because he was a left-handed guitarist. And you're right, like, C is harder for a left-handed guitarist to play because it's, it's a lot more awkward. Whereas, you know, B flat minor six is easier. So... Uh, so he had a lot of really interesting, very early on in the Beatles' career, really interesting chords. Um, and I think maybe it's due to his left-handed guitarist. It's possible. And also, a certain um, uh, progression may be easier mm-hmm. if, if the guitar is reversed, as sure. an example. Right? Mm. Oh, cool. Very cool. Okay. 
so my number two. So for my number two, uh, oh no, sorry, it's Ty's number two. My mistake. Oh, my number two. Yeah, yeah. Well, my number two is not a surprise because Jen already played it. It's uh, Hotel California, but I still like to play it one more time. Our first overlap. Double guitar? It's a double neck guitar. Nice. So I will add uh, just a couple of points in addition to what Jen had already talked about, and that is um, the uh, the pieces in uh, another B uh, another B minor key, and um, the guitar the solo is actually uh, a solo of two guitars, right? Yes. It's not just one. So you're looking at um, Felder and uh, Welsh. Those are the two guitars. Um, it's not just one one guitarist doing the solo. Okay. You know what's crazy these days? I mean, this solo has been played so many times, so many people have learned it. I know people who can play both parts on their own. Oh, wow. Like, the, the guitarist in my band can can play both parts, like, on his own. It's crazy. That's <laughs> insane. That's crazy. Um, okay, so we'll move to my number two. Uh, and we're going back to Jimmy again. Mm. Mm. So this is all along the watchtower. Do you feel like you're in the 70s? Yeah. And then it just goes crazy from there as well. But um, yeah, so and I, I you're gasping <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Uh, an iconic song by an iconic iconic artist at like the height of his career. Uh, it definitely has that uh, Woodstock vibe to it. Yeah. Um, and he is for me like a Prince predecessor. He was like Prince before Prince was Prince. Mm-hmm. Definitely have uh, there's like a. a a soul link between the two of them. Right. Uh, so we already talked about him, so I'm not going to talk too much about him, but one of the things um, I discovered in, uh, after I picked my list, I went and I did some research, and Rolling Stones has this as the, t- the number five guitar solo of all time. Wow. According to Rolling Stone. Uh, and they touch on the, uh, the pedal effect that he uses, which mm-hmm. is really, really nice. Um, but the other thing that I learned... Uh, that I, I think I had heard before, but I, um, I came across it was that's so that's originally a Bob Dylan song. Yes. And Bob Dylan was kind of semi-retired at the time that Jimi Hendrix, uh, or he had stepped away. I don't know if you could say he was retired, but he had stepped away mm-hmm. at the time that Jimi Hendrix had uh, recorded this version of his song uh, because uh, Jimi Hendrix was such a huge fan of Dylan that he did this, like, as an homage. Uh, and Dylan was so blown away and so inspired that he came right back and started recording music again. Mm. Wow. Nice. Which that's is, cool. the, what, again, one of those little sort of blips in music history where you go, like, that's, that's insane. That's incredibly important. Like, what a moment in, in music to have Jimi Hendrix 
pull Bob Dylan out of uh, out of retirement just with his guitar playing. Interesting. So, wow. Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan. So I, I learned that recently too, that oh, it was okay. based on a Bob Dylan song. And so I read more about it. And so um, if you if you listen to the songs side by side, I don't know, maybe because I've heard the Jimi Hendrix version first, like the Bob Dylan one, it, 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 it just, it, <laughs> it kind of sucks, but, well, but. Well, was more folksy, it's right, not really like. Right, it doesn't, it doesn't have that classic rock sound, but um, what I did learn was um, how much of a master he was with lyrics, mm-hmm. so the guy is, like, literally at the same level as Shakespeare, like, with his use of symbolism, and just. Yeah, Dylan's insane. Yeah, like, his lyrics are so complex there's so much meat in them and um and i've learned that all along the watchtower is actually um you can piece together a narrative but it starts from the middle it starts from the middle it goes to the end and it ends at the beginning so if you read the lyrics from the middle onwards and you end at the beginning apparently it forms some kind of narrative it's pulp fiction yes (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) that's pulp fiction before tarantino right right (laughs) interesting and this is all speculation. Uh-huh. Um, Bob Dylan hasn't confirmed it, but you know, people who, people like you who analyze things like crazy have, uh, have kind of surmised that he's telling a story backwards. So it's oh, wow. very cool, very kind of trippy. I have to go back and check it out now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've given me a new obsession. Thank you. <laughs> very cool. Okay. All right. So now we go before we get into our number one guitar rock guitar solo of all time. Uh, we'll get into our our top three non-rock ones and this one uh, just because of uh, where we are in time we won't talk as much about these ones we'll just kind of play it a little blurb uh, and then we'll we'll circulate okay so your number three jen okay so um i actually i don't have three and not for lack of effort i really did try um i have two okay and so the reason for that is um i do love blues i love jazz but after I might get a lot of hate from whoever's listening to this, um, but but when you listen to classic rock and blues back to back, it blues is more beautiful in its simplicity, uh-huh. whereas classic rock is a lot more showy and you know and just obviously more virtuosic, obviously more um, you know kind of flashy. Yeah. And I, I couldn't um, like I, technically I couldn't difficult. pick them. You know what I mean? I yeah. couldn't. They all I couldn't rank them. They all sound the same to me. Nothing nothing stuck out as a solo. Um, so, um, so yeah, like I said, I love blues for um, what it is, what it's done for guitar, but I, I couldn't pick two, uh, I, I couldn't pick three that I, solos I love because I, di- I didn't, they, they just don't compare to classic rock solos, in my opinion. Um, okay, so, so your number two then. My number two, uh, I didn't consider, this maybe should have been in my list, but I didn't realize that this is classic rock. Santana. Um, that's Europa. Okay. And it's just one long guitar solo. And the reason why he's in this list is because he, this came a little bit later. Okay. Like after the classic rock period. So cool. Um, very nice. This is the one. Should I go to my, uh, well, no, we'll, we'll circulate just cause it'll take some time to cue while we're talking. Okay. Ty, your number, your number three non-rock. Sure. So I went with, uh, flamenco, blues and classical. Okay. Classical. Yeah. I'll start with blues. All right. Um, Ray Cooter, solo, and for the life of me, I can't identify this piece, but um, it's a very slow solo in pentatonic scale, and um, it just gives you, like, blues music, it's, 
it's inherently sad, right? Uh -huh. um, so when I hear this, I mean, I'm thinking of some guy who must some like must have lost his job. Uh, his wife must have left him. <laughs> you know, came home, basement is flooded. So <laughs> he's probably just a millionaire sitting on a pile of uh, cash. <laughs> Too much but, uh, cash. I don't know where to go. put it. <laughs> Let me start with zero fifty. The slide guitar technique. It sounds like Floyd. It does. Almost. It really does. Mm. It's funny that that slide guitar technique has always really fascinated me. I, I had a chance to see um, Jeff Healy before he passed away, right. and and watch him play with the guitar on his lap and have the slide. It was just fascinating. It was so cool. It's a different technique altogether. Yeah. Okay, so I'll go to my number three, and for my number three, um, I'm actually doing this to represent an entire genre. Mm. So uh, sometime in the near future, and maybe I'll book it today for next week or something, I mentioned I'm going to do like a Latin, uh, like a, a Latin music tutorial, if you will, uh, for you guys. And one of the, one of the genres we're going to talk about is actually a Dominican genre called bachata, which mm. we've mentioned. And one of the things about that genre is the guitar playing is very, very different. And technically, um, like the, the complexity, the difficulty of playing uh, some of these riffs is insane. So I, I picked uh, one to kind of represent the genre, and I picked one that's one of the ones that I feel is just insanely difficult. Two guitars. Yeah, that's why it sounds almost like a banjo at times. Uh -huh, that's right. Yeah. So as I was saying, with that, like the it, it just the, the the guitar riffs in that genre are fascinating. Um, and if you ever if you ever look up like a tutorial for playing uh, for playing some bachata riffs, you'll see that the like it's so fast they actually they they play like multiple strings up and down it like to mm. to make to make that that sound and it's just really really cool but and uh my brother-in-law actually plays that and well his the, my sister's band and, and but uh to watch them play it like just sort of hanging out in the living room and just say hold on a second and then you just go off it's just it's mind-blowing it's amazing what is that like like are his fingers moving super lightning fast like is so it... like i said it's it's uh they're playing notes within a chord mm -hmm. so they, they make oh. a chord and they're playing really fast so it's not so it's, it's not the fingers that are creating the chord that move super fast although there is some of that but it's actually the string playing wow. that's incredibly quick and precise mm -hmm. um and to watch it and if you, you guys come and do that the, the jam on my birthday you'll get a chance to to uh, play around with it you'll get a chance to see it it's fascinating wow wow so 
And that, that music is usually in the minor key too as well, right? Because they talk about all these losses. And yeah, so yeah. bachata is basically Dominican blues. Okay. So you're right in that it is all about heartbreak and like sadness and like... Basement flooding. Yeah, <laughs> all of that stuff. Um, and, and there's like, there's a more modernized like poppy version of it mm. um, that you, you'll hear on the radio and stuff now. But it's, it's different. The actual true bachata is is very much like this, and it's very more it's it's more simple. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have a lot of like electronic chords in the background, like synthesizers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It is very simple. And the interesting thing, and I'll get into this when we actually talk about it, but um, it's basically it was the the music of the poor, and mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, you would do this in, like, the ghetto area, in, like, a bar or whatever. But if you were well off, you didn't listen to this music. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was almost, like, it was frowned upon. Like, this this is the music of, like, the ghetto people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So, But, it, again, it's, it's a beautiful sound, and but the, the guitar playing is so complex, it's mm-hmm. insane. Wow. So incredible. that's my number three. And, oh, the song is uh, El Verde de, tu, de Tus Ojos, which is the green of your eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Nice. Okay, you're number two, Jen. Um, number one. Oh, no, sorry, number one. Well, That's actually, right. have a three. While, while you guys were talking, I thought of a number three. Okay. Uh, just, just because I was in like a, oh, I need to do blues, because that's the, that's the next great guitar genre okay. that isn't classic rock, but no, that's not true. Uh, there was stuff that was released two years ago. That's amazing. And, uh, okay, so here's my number two. Um, this is Rival Sons, Pressure and Time. This band, I so I haven't been to a whole lot of concerts in my life, um, but this was the best concert-going experience I've ever had in my entire life, including seeing Paul McCartney live. Like, it was incredible. So Rival Sons is a band. Um, they're, uh, they're from the South, I think, and they've got this amazing, bluesy, Led Zeppelin sound, and that song in particular, my band loves playing. It's just so much fun to play. It's just that one riff throughout the entire song. Oh, bah, wow. bah, bah, bah. Um, and it's so much fun and it's so high energy. Um, I want you guys to listen to it like when you get a chance. It's so much down. fun. Cool. <laughs> Maybe we could share our Spotify, uh, Spotify playlist. Yes. Okay, Ty, you're uh, number two non-rock and we probably should pick up the pace a sure. little bit here because as always, we're running a little long. So go ahead. Absolutely. So my number two is um, from the greatest flamenco guitarist in the world, Paco de Lucia, passed away recently. I saw him live at Massey Hall. My goodness, I can still remember the experience. But um, he's considered the fastest guitarist in the world, playing with his fingers. And uh, if you watch him play, it just seems effortless. He doesn't seem to be putting in any kind of effort at all. And um, the rhythm of this piece is so complex as well. You enjoy. The band is so tight. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. 
sorry, his name again was? Paco de Lucia. Paco de, oh yeah, yeah okay, Paco de Lucia. Uh, okay, so my number two is uh, kind of along the same vein, but not quite. So I, I mentioned before, there's a genre of sort of Spanish rock that's like rock, uh, flamenco, Spanish guitar, and, and so on. It's a mix. So this is actually a band called Chingon, which is actually Robert Rodriguez's that's right, band. Right, that's right. Um, so this is a song called Cascabel. should be possible <laughs> yeah like you shouldn't be able to play guitar that fast and that precise um the, the two guys uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give this away <laughs> the two guys that play uh in that band are actually uh these two brothers and they they have their own band called uh del castillo which is they have my number one non-rock song uh but those two guys i believe they're from spain insane I've always wanted, like, if they ever come to Toronto, I, w- I want to go see them because it, for me, is the most insane guitar playing I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so quick. And it's even quicker because it's in 6-8 time. So it goes 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. So, like, the pace is, yeah. like, no, that's it's, insane. It's insane. And, and this is one of the, one of the, the guitar solos where the, uh, so the, the, the guitar playing builds, but the percussion in the back also builds, mm-hmm. and like so the music kind of builds up to this crescendo. And if you I'll, if I share the playlist with you, you get you'll be able to hear the song as a whole. You'll see it sort of builds, 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 and then releases into like the song again. And then there's another solo which is just as crazy later on as well. So we're good. Anyway, that's my number two, Cascabel. Uh, so your number one uh, non-rock, Jen. Uh, so my number one non-rock and. Uh, I, I know we had to pick up the pace. Um, <laughs> so I promise I'll be quick with my actual number one. But this one, I really want to show you guys. Um, it's you guys Are you guys familiar with the Black Keys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're a modern blues rocket kind of band. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the greatest modern guitar solo I've ever heard. That's not Latin or not blues. It's incredible. And I, it, it blows me away every time I hear it. Whoops, that's not the right one. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's this one. So, the song starts off like this. And it just builds to the most exciting crescendo. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> it turns into Santana. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it's Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's great. So it does that for a 
And How's the song it's called what again? It's called Weight of Love. Weight of Love. All right. Um, and uh, and if you listen to any of the songs that we talked about today, please listen to that one okay. all the way through. It's wow. it's a journey. It's it's incredible. It, it gives me goosebumps every time I hear it. Awesome. Okay, Ty, your number one non rock. Sure. So we've transitioned from electric to acoustic. Um, so last piece I played was uh, flamenco. Um, my all-time favorite piece is a uh, piece that inspired me how, uh, to play the guitar. And actually, when I played this in grade eight, um, first pu- public performance ever, one of my buddies told me, "Hey, Ty, you make someone cry." Oh, yeah. Wow. So, wow. Uh, here it is. That's it's called Spanish yeah, Romance. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, man. <laughs> Whenever I hear that, like, oh, your wedding speech made, like, whatever, cry, like, yes! Ah. So, E minor, and uh, the piece is recognizable immediately. Um, You know, I think every guitarist in the world uh, wants to be able to play this song. Mm-hmm. That's everyone's um, first classical yeah. guitar song. And, uh, you know, the sound is so unique that only the guitar can uh, can produce that kind of tone um, and that kind of melody. So that's my all-time favorite. Wow. Very cool. Very I noticed cool. that's a lady guitarist. Yes. Wow. Okay. So my number one uh, I mentioned is by Del Castillo. And it's a song called Dia de los Angeles. And this is a song... You need to watch them play. So there's actually, if you look it up on YouTube, there's a performance of them. It is absolutely insane. So what is it called? Dia, Dia, Dias de los Angeles, so the, the Days of the Angels. Okay. Mm. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like they, it doesn't sound like you should be able to play that fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are absolutely insane. Like I said, if if I ever find out they're coming to Toronto, <laughs> I will go and watch them. Like no hesitation. You know what that's like? Like you know when when someone like pop music these days, they have drum machines. Yeah. No human could play that yeah, fast. Yeah, they that layer precisely. it and layer it. Yeah. Layer it. It's just two brothers. That sounds like a machine. Yeah. It's two brothers, and one of them is just playing the rhythm in the background. And the other one goes on this crazy where solo. That whole solo is all one guitar. Where are they from? Uh, I think they're from Spain. Okay, so I noticed at the beginning, and I guess combine um, the melody line with, with the trills, um, remind, me, remind me a little bit of uh, Middle Eastern uh, Ooh, music. Good point. So it's funny because, uh, so their singer, mm-hmm. um, 
I believe is Mexican. Okay. But his vocalizations have a lot of that Middle Eastern, okay. um, uh, very gypsy right. uh, feel to it. Uh, again, if you if you YouTube it and you watch the performance, it's he's up there with scarves and <laughs> whatever, wow. and he's very uh, like his movements are very flamenco and whatever, cool. and it's, the performance looks amazing. Mm. But you gotta watch these two. Like I said, one cool. of them is playing the rhythm, the other one does the solo, and then they switch. I'll do the rhythm. Why don't you go and do like an insane solo for a minute and a half? Amazing. So Del Castillo, I think for me, greatest guitar player I've ever heard. <laughs> so all right, number one, best rock solo of all time. All right, so I think this will not come as a surprise to both of you guys, uh, but I'm just gonna play it anyway. press pause on that um yeah man it, so why don't you say who it is first so while my guitar gently weeps yeah. the beatles uh soul done by eric clapton um so this song has a lot of uh it, it, it makes me feel like a lot of fuzzy feelings so um <laughs> at this time like the beatles hated each other and they just did not work together and so george harrison brought in his friend eric clapton who later stole his wife but they're, they're, they're cool now. But um, he, they brought in his friend. And so because his friend was there, they worked well together for the first time in, I don't know how long they were fighting for so long. And I think it's partly why this song is so amazing and so tight and so well played. Um, every single part of the song is just masterful, um, but it's simple as well. Like, Ty, you and I could play that right now if we wanted to. Maybe not the solo, but just the song. Um, Eric Clapton... Um, Ty, you mentioned people having a sound that people cannot imitate. Yeah. I think he's one of them. Like, yeah. Yeah. if you talk about singing guitar tones, Eric Clapton sings. He is yeah. amazing. And when he, and when he plays live, um, he's just, he, he crosses his legs. He's so calm. Like, but like all, all of his, um, emotion just exudes of his guitar and like, every note just drips with just like pure emotion and angst and just singing like um this to me is the quintessential guitar solo classic guitar solo it's interesting uh what what year would this have been late 60s so like 67 68 so there's a, a song in spanish um that it's actually called when uh when my guitar weeps or when my guitar cries, um, that would actually be early '60s, maybe late '50s. Mm. By it's uh, by an Ecuadorian musician. Interesting. That, um, again, is one of those like classic, classic, like super emotional, like whatever. Uh, and I've always, it's funny. I've always, I've, I've always been curious about it, but I've I don't know why. I think I've I just like not knowing which came first actually. So I've never Googled it. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know which came first. Uh, if anything, it, I would, you know, if one were to have borrowed from the other, it's probably safe to say they would have borrowed, borrowed from the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I think this is one of those instances where you just have two completely separate uh, instances of creativity that just 
sort of mesh. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, George Harrison actually, uh, he named this song uh, by looking in a book, mm-hmm. and he wanted to name it, he wanted to title it in the middle of a sentence, like uh, kind of like a sentence yeah, fragment. Yeah, yeah. So he opened a book randomly, and it said, while my guitar gently weeps. There was like a beginning of the sentence somewhere, but yeah. that's how he named the song. I would love to know what book that was. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, All right, Ty, you're number one. Yeah, so I'm sorry, Jen. I'm glad Eric oh, Clapton sorry. makes an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's hard to have this list without Eric Clapton. Yeah. yeah. My goodness. And also, the song is in A minor, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, my number one song um, needs no introduction. And you recognize it right after the first five notes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good choice. Taiwan, you tell people what it is? Sure, it's their way to heaven, uh, Led Zeppelin, and uh, just like While My Guitar Gently Weeps, it's also in A minor. So that was enough said. Oh, that was short and sweet. Ty just, just throwing it down, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for me, my number one, um, well, I'll just play it. Oh, maybe I'll turn up the volume and then I'll play it because that. <laughs> really helps with the uh, being able to hear it so um So this, again, this is Prince at the height of Prince. This is Prince um, on what might be the greatest music soundtrack of all time. Just shredding like crazy, and then mid-guitar solo breaking into like a blues riff, and then going back to just shredding. Um, And, you know, again, for me, one of the, the things I took into consideration was cultural impact and mm. Purple Rain that album was insane like absolutely amazing 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 and for me that guitar solo along with uh, the guitar in Purple Rain is that is the early 80s for me mm. um, that's just amazing absolutely amazing so Super talented I'm glad he made it onto this list um, yeah. seriously I think he's really underrated which um, is crazy because you're right. He, but he's so respected. Yeah. But uh, but people, to your point, like I don't, I still don't think people really respect him enough. As a guitarist. As a guitarist, and as just a, I think he plays like eighteen instruments or something crazy <laughs> like that. Like as a as a musician, not as a rock star, but as a musician, he's one of the most talented musicians like we've ever come across. Right. Totally. Totally. So, Good choice. Awesome. So there you go. So, again, not a bad place to, uh, to end in. We only went over by, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but cool. Good work, guys. Nice list. Uh, and thanks for your time. Awesome. Yay. Bye, everyone. <laughs>